You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today is Friday, March the 26th. My name is Lucas Smith, host of the podcast and the St. Louis Cardinals mega fan. Thanks for tuning in today and every day. We've made it to yet another Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Super fun, super exciting stuff. Um, it's always a good thing when we can make it to Friday. Um, so happy Friday. Um, so on the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about the game yesterday. Um, um, it's the Cardinals fall to the Brewers, uh, not getting a hit until the 6th or 7th inning, I believe, as I've um, got my stuff pulling up here. But... Um, yeah, so a tough game offensively, absolutely. Uh, and then the Cardinals uh, are off today, and then they play tomorrow at 5.05. Um, but, yeah, we're going to start with, with, with the pitching. And also, after this, um, I joined Jake Mastriani in his locker room earlier this past week, and we talked about some interesting NL Central anecdotes about Silver Slugger, um, some Cy Young candidates and things like that. So I'm going to play some of that conversation for you. Um, and again, if you don't have Locker Room, be sure to download it on your iOS device um, to follow Locked On hosts um, as we host our Locker Rooms, our live shows on there. Um, so it should be a, a good time. So I'm going to play that for you um, for, for the last couple segments. It should be fun. I think that we have some some good takes. So, But we're going to get into the, the game today first. going to be just a quick little synopsis of it because it really was pretty unexciting. Cardinals had two hits, one by Tommy Edmond and one by Nolan Arenado. And the Nolan Arenado was a double. But again, we're going to start with Daniel Ponce de Leon. Got pulled in the middle of, of an inning, middle of the first inning. Settled down a little bit after that. But the problem for Ponce de Leon, walks. I mean, four and a third total innings. Uh, not consecutive, but total innings. Daniel had six walks. That just can't happen, especially early in the season. Guys are still trying to get loose. Maybe you don't want to expend, uh, expand some guys too much, but six walks just can't happen. Three strikeouts, give up a home run to start off the game. At Jose Altuve. Um, just the, the, the six walks are killer. I love Daniel Ponticillion's fastball. I think it's really electric. I think it's really good. But at the end of the day, you can't walk six guys in four innings. That's just not going to cut it. I don't... And I don't really have too much other breaking analysis on Daniel Ponce de Leon other than he was not good um, in terms of his his command. Just wasn't there. Um, but, you know, credit to Daniel. He said, quote, in past years, I feel like I, if I give up one run, I'm getting sent down right there on the mound. Ponce de Leon said, uh, but this year I'm not pressing as much. I feel pretty good. Um, so he threw 25 pitches and he got pulled. And then he threw a total of 92 pitches across the um, – uh, across the the four and a third innings, um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what Ponce de Leon is able to do. I think Ponce de Leon is probably the the next guy, uh, or going to be the first guy rather to go once Kim or Michaelis come back, um, and it's looking like um, it's going to be Saturday. As Mike Schultz saying um, that KK Kim will most likely make one more, will likely make one Grapefruit League, and it's likely to come on Saturday, according to Schilt. Um So if Kim's able to come back, and obviously there's no reason to to rush it if you think you can get some outs with um, with Ponce de Leon, but I do think that it'll be 
Ponce de Leon will leave the rotation first uh, before John Gant leaves the rotation, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, not not a good day for Ponce. So, overall, no matter how good he might feel or comfortable he might feel, and not a good day for the offense either. Uh, two hits. They didn't get uh, didn't get that hit, I believe, it was the seventh inning. His computer continues to load here. But, yeah, um, it was the seventh inning on a double by Nolan Arenado. Thought it was funny that it happened pretty much right as the Houston Astros broadcasters were talking about how it this game doesn't matter, so the no-hitter doesn't matter. So us talking about it doesn't really matter. And then a double happened. So I thought that was kind of ironic. Nevertheless. Yeah, just not a lot to report offensively. Um, you know, th- these days are going to happen. I understand that. Um, Edmund at least had a hit. Goldschmidt went 0 for 2 with a strikeout. Not not great. Nagowski 0 for 2. You know, I'm not going to go through the whole lineup because that's a lot of offers. But one notable, Paul DeYoung had two strikeouts, which, which wasn't great. Uh, or isn't great to see, rather. But uh, as a whole, lineup only striking out twice is, is, a, is a good thing. Um, and another positive is behind, behind Ponce de Leon and in between, with uh, him being pulled mid-inning, um, Cruz, Krasinski, Gallegos, Helsley, and Whitley all looked pretty good. Helsley was a little uneasy giving up two hits, but overall pretty good day for the bullpen. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm, not, I'm not putting in panic mode per se, but there definitely is um, some cause for concern or for cause for keeping our eye open, keeping our eye on um, Mr. Uh, Ponce de Leon. I just think those walks are, are killer for him, especially somebody, with, you know, in, in my mind, anyway, he's not the most electric of stuff. But um, Cardinals are, are back in action on Saturday against Miami. Saturday night game, 5.05 is the first pitch, 5.05 Central. Um, and then the, the, the Cardinals play again on Sunday at back to the regular time of 12 against Washington. Um, so those are the, the games this weekend. But that's all the live talk I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk, tell you guys about our, our get to our first ad break here and tell you guys about some of our amazing sponsors. And then I'm going to play part of, of Jake Mastriani's conversation and I from Locker Room from a handful of days ago. Um, so, um, so yeah, so be sure to to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter, LO underscore Cardinals, and follow me on Twitter, LJ Fastball. Um, but other than that, after this uh, this quick break from our wonderful sponsors, it's going to be Jake Mastriani and myself. So hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, especially in college basketball with March Madness. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And it's free by going to the website, betonline.ag, or using your mobile device. And you can enter the promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. That's right, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. One note before we start the locker room conversation with Jake Mastriani and myself, be sure to be tuning in to Locked On Today for your latest sports news, uh, all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Uh, Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Here is Jake Mastriani's and I conversation. Hey, Lucas. How's it going, man? Thanks for hopping in the room here. How are the Cardinals looking in spring training? No major injuries or anything? Yeah, no major injuries right now. Kim and, and Michaelis are still on the shelf um, with a little bit of, of stuff. Um, but other than that, the, the injuries have been pretty pretty low-key for just, you know, a couple weeks, you know, a week here and there. But nothing too too major right now. 
How about the Brewers? Yeah, I'm looking pretty good. I mean, they've had a lot of minor stuff, but nothing to, you know, any of the main contributors right now. How's Wong looked? He's looked good, man. I'm getting really excited about Wong. He um, he's been batting lead off a lot, and I'm I'm really liking him in that spot. He's you know working counts, getting on base, taking walks, stealing base. You know, hit a home run the other day. Uh, so I'm really getting excited about him at the top of the the order. Been having a conversation on the podcast lately about what the order might look like and starting to think having Wong at the top is going to do a lot of good, especially because the Brewers struck out a lot last year too. And, you know, he doesn't strike out a ton. So having him at the top of the order, you know, again, to, to work some good at bats, you know, get on base, have some speed on the bases. I think he's going to be pretty, be pretty big for the Brewers top of the order. I've always thought that he would be like, he, he's your prototypical leadoff hitter. You know, he's kind of a gap to gap guy. He can, he can steal a bag every, every now and then. He's just like, I don't know. Cause if you don't hit him first and you really the only place to hit him is, you know, seventh or eighth just because he doesn't have enough power to be in the middle of a lineup. But yeah, I, I think that he, you know, he adds a lot to Milwaukee. That's for sure. And if he's going to produce at the top of the, that sets up the rest of the order pretty well as well. How have uh, your, your Cy Young candidates looked in Corbin Burns and Woodruff? They look good. Um, Burns pitched today and, Pitched against a, a really good Dodgers lineup, went four and two thirds, gave up a monster home run in the first inning to Justin Turner, which just made me even more <laughs> upset that Turner didn't sign with the Brewers. But <laughs> after that, after that, he, he settled down and looked pretty good. And then Brandon, Brandon Woodruff, what I liked about him this spring is he's just he's been really efficient. Like he worked six innings yesterday, was like just like barely over six, 60 pitches or something like he had to throw in the bullpen like after six innings he's just mm-hmm. he's been very efficient this spring uh, which is great let him go deeper in the game so uh, i think that's the, really the last step i think for burns sometimes he he wastes a lot of pitches because he loses he had struggled with command every now and then but mm-hmm. once he can you know learn just to hone that in and go deeper in the games i think he'll he'll take off but both of them are looking really good throwing upper 90s and nasty breaking stuff so <laughs> yeah, they're looking good i'm excited about them what about you i know that we talked about on our cro- crossover or whatever that you know you expect him to be in the mvp conversation again as he looked that way in spring training still struggling mediocre what have you seen from him yeah so he took a couple of days off i think last week he apparently had like a a really rigorous hitting session um, to work some things out and was apparently so exhausted that they let him take off the next couple of days. And he came back and <laughs> hit, hit a double, hit a single, hit a home run the other day. He's been uh, crushing it since he came back to the lineup and looking like the Yelich, you know, that we're used to seeing. So that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate for you guys over there in St. <laughs> Louis. But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm expecting big things for Yelly this year. Uh, I think he'll definitely be up there in the conversation. I think he's, I think he's motivated more than anyone to just get back and prove that, you know, last year was just kind of a short season fluke and that he's still one of the best players in the game. That's certainly the way, you know, he's talking. He knows last year wasn't what he's capable of. So, yeah, you, you Cardinals fans have been put on notice. Shelly is, <laughs> is, is coming in, coming in hungry. So, no. yeah, I think last year I was just happy that he wasn't killing everybody because, you know, the year before that he was or two years ago, 2000. Was 18 the MVP year or 19? Yeah, 18. Then 18, I, yeah. Couldn't yeah. get him out at all. But I think the Cardinals and Brewers both have MVP candidates. Uh, not, not to be a big spoiler, but one of my bold predictions for uh, preview stuff or whatever is uh, or Arnado's going to be 
is going to be the MVP, but I definitely think that regardless that he could be in the conversation if he is on as if he is as successful as he has been plus on a winning team because he hasn't really, you know, he made the playoffs twice, I think, with Colorado, but not as yeah. dominant with, with St. Louis. So I think that, you know, being on winning winning teams and MLB specifically helps a lot when you're talking about the MVP just with the history of the award. I think I've heard you mention it about Arenado that it's not a big deal, but uh, I just want to hear you on record again say you don't think it'll be a big deal for him coming out of Colorado. You think he'll he'll hit? just fine because i know the numbers would say you know obviously he's a better hitter at colorado but mm-hmm. um yeah, i know that can be misleading even sometimes but you don't think he'll he'll have any problems no the one number that i would look at to drop would be the home runs um but i, I think that he, he he just is a good hitter and the, the reason i think that the cores effect won't affect him or you know at, at least to this uh to the point that people are going to say he's going to drop off the biggest of the earth is because Ryan Latica, who hosts Locked On Rockies, brought, brought up this point, is that when you're playing in Colorado, like on their team, then you have to constantly adjust to above sea level to at sea level or whatever direction Colorado is. But you're, you're constantly adjusting, so it's hard on the body and it's hard to get prepped ready um, adequately for road games. And um, yes, the ball definitely flies more in Colorado. Like That's no secret. But um, just the, the physical uh, toll that it takes to adjust uh, up and down like that is is a big part of the cores effect, and so that you know, like I said, the the adjustment is um, that's a big reason why it's so much harder to hit on the road when you're with Colorado. Not necessarily because you're a, a bad hitter being aided, but because um, you have to physically adjust to not being at, above sea level. I think is where Colorado is. So I think that a full season of not adjusting and the Cardinals probably play the Rockies uh, throughout the season with you know 162 games, but not adjusting every other week uh to the different sea levels i think he's going to be just fine um he's flown out to the warning track he literally flew up to the warning track three times in the last two games um and it, it just it's an, it's an odd thing that it feels like he's hitting the ball 398 feet to dead center every time you know one of those things mm-hmm. uh, where it's yeah. just coming short um so i you know i think the home runs might be a tick off but you know i i think that other than that, the numbers are going to be just fine. I really do think that he's going to produce, and I have no problem being on record <laughs> and saying that on any platform. So uh, yeah, I, no. I, I, I still do expect big things from, from Arenado for sure. Yeah, no, I don't think you're going out too much on a limb there. I, it kind of right. made me, you know, I don't want to say angry, but just flabbergasted, I guess. Probably a better word there for people that are saying that all of a sudden Arenado's not going to be able to hit anymore. I never mm-hmm. understood that. Um, you know, that concept when people were talking about, cause I covered the Braves too. I write about them for fi- fans side and obviously Braves fans really wanted him, but you'd have some of those fans were saying, Oh, he can't hit out of, out of course field. Don't trade for him. And I'm just like, are you, are you, ki- are you kidding me? Like he's one of the players <laughs> in the game. He, he's going to mm-hmm. hit wherever he goes. Like you said, maybe the home run numbers drop a little bit, but uh, I mean, the guy, the guy can hit. So I, I think he's, Unfortunately, your Brewers fan is going to be just mm-hmm. fine in St. Louis. <laughs> and like you said, playing on a you know a winning franchise of the history that it has, a place where he apparently wanted to be. Um, right. You know, I, I have my theories that the only way that Colorado took that trade, because I think it was such a lopsided trade, was because Arenado said, this is the only place I'll go. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that's, the, uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me, because otherwise I feel like that trade was a complete heist for the Cardinals. But... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Arenado is going to be fine in 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 St. Louis, unfortunately. 
One guy for the Brewers that I think is going to benefit from from the park in addition, I think Colton Wong is going to benefit. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that he hits pretty well at, at Miller Park, which is a hitter-friendly ballpark in general. But I just feel like, I think I might have mentioned this before, but whenever Colton Wong goes on a power streak, I feel like he did this uh, in 2014. He hit like four home runs in five games, so they were all at Milwaukee or something to that effect, all the home runs were. Uh, I just feel like... I don't know what your thoughts are on the type of park that Miller Park is, or it might not be Miller Park anymore. So I, I could be misspeaking. <laughs> that. But, yeah, uh, it's like yeah. an American Family Field or something now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I I still end up saying Miller Park a lot of times too. That's going to be a big adjustment. <laughs> yeah, but whatever it is, I feel like Colton Wong has hit well there historically. Um, and what are your thoughts on how that ballpark plays to to a player like Wong or just to a player in general? Because I feel like it's pretty hitter friendly. Yeah, it definitely it definitely is hitter friendly, um, and the balls can kind of fly out there. And especially you know him being a left handed hitter, they can you know the ball can fly out there to left center uh, a little bit. So I, I think you're right. I think we could see a little uptick. I don't know what his career high in home runs was. I think it's around 17 or so. Um, so I mean, yeah, it I'll, I'll, be... I'll look it up, but I'll, but it, it's somewhere around there. But I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, so I mean, it, it wouldn't seem impossible for him to you know be a 20 plus home run guy with the brewers um the flip side of that too is that they're apparently deadening the baseballs a little bit um so that could you know be a counter counter factor there but yeah i think you're right i think colton wong will um will benefit a little bit and probably get some more home runs playing at american family field <laughs> uh, Colton Wong's career high in home runs is actually lower than that. It, it's twelve. Uh, back really? in, okay. yeah, his rookie year in 2014, he hit twelve, and then he hit eleven and fifteen, and then single so, digits so all the games, way up until um, 2019 when he hit eleven, and then he hit one last year in a short season. So, um, and he's well, yeah, three over than I thought. That yeah, it would on base percentage sure, of three seventy three, slugging of four eighty two, and an OPS of eight fifty five. OPS plus of one thirty eight, which is with any significant playing time, the highest outside of Bush Stadium. So I was correct in my hunch that he, he hits at Miller Park or he hits at Milwaukee. Um, yeah. that, that's something that um, that could be kept in mind. And, yeah, I've always liked Wong, and it was hard to see him go. But I think I agree with you in our conversations that he's going to be a big piece of this lineup and can be really productive. Yeah, so here you heard it here first, guys. Lucas Smith locked on Cardinals. Colton Wong will be a silver slugger at second base <laughs> this year for the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> he, he's definitely going to be up there, especially if he puts up those kind of numbers. Um, yeah. You know, if he hits 300 with his speed and everything else, he could definitely be a uh, silver slugger. So, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll go on. A li- I'll be on record on that. that that's fine. I'll, I'll go there. Okay. Right. <laughs> you, you can call me on that coming up, come October. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that won't hurt too bad if that, that ends up ha- ends up happening no, for you. It won't hurt either whenever he wins his third gold glove in a war in a row. I mean, that's not going to be painful at all for me. I won't, yeah. I won't feel any remorse <laughs> or anything, but but it'll be okay whenever Arnado wins the MVP. I'll get over it pretty oh, quickly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you mean when he finishes runner-up to Yelly? <laughs> there you go. All right, yeah. all right. More from Jake and I coming up here in just a moment, but first I want to tell you about the best-tasting protein bar in the business. It's a protein bar we've been telling you about for a while, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar is the incredible, amazing-tasting protein bar that is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and it has a 100% chocolate on all of its bars. And now it's time to find out which Built Bar is best. That's right. It's time for Built Bar Madness. 
Today's matchup is Cookie Dough Chunk versus the winner of Coconut versus Birthday Cake, which was in the enticing eight birthday cake. So it'll be Cookie Dough Chunk and Birthday Cake to who gets into the flavorful four. My vote is going for Cookie Dough Chunk. Should be an incredible matchup. Head to the website, bet, or excuse me, builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter to vote. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15. They get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. One more quick update before we finish up Jake and I's conversation. MLB opening day is less than a week away. So head over to Locked on MLB podcast for the Locked on MLB division preview series. Every episode from now until the 31st features in-depth looks at each team in every division. It's all on the Locked on Podcast Network feed right now. Follow Locked on MLB on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. And here is Jake and I's uh, last part of our conversation from his locker room discussion the other day. Well, we said it would be a fun year for sure, but no, no matter, I think, you know, we haven't talked about a lot in terms of division, but I do think that, you know. So are those it's, the it's two best players in the NL Central? I don't know. if or You mean Arenado and Yelich? Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I would have been interested to say yes. You probably have some people chime in with a Rizzo or Bryant um, a debate there, but I just think that they're a bit on the decline. So I, I would say that they're – if they're not the top two, they're definitely two of the top five. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, and for, for Arnauto to come in without any other, you know, to come in and take over that, that position is in top five, uh, that tells you a little bit how weak the division is. But you still got some star-studded players in, in this division. You've got a Joey Votto, Nicholas Castellanos. And you've got a, a Jack Flaherty. You've got a Colton Wong. You've got a Christian Yelich. You've got all these guys that are good players. But I definitely think that uh, Yelich and Arnauto should be in the conversation for, you know, at least the top five, but um, I think you could definitely argue that the top two players in the division. What do you think? Yeah, no, that's yeah, something I haven't really thought about, but yeah, uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting, interesting poll maybe to take with the the NL Central host there to see, you know, mm-hmm. who they think the best player in the NL Central is because I think it's pretty clearly, you know, just off the top of my head between those those two. Um, obviously, Yelich already winning an MVP, um, you know. Arenado just seems like he's had those MVP seasons just I think with his team not being as good sometimes uh, and him you know just kind of telling off at some point and I think he gets kind of overlooked because of the Coors effect you know he just never really kind of got up there in the MVP conversation but mm-hmm. yeah I mean just again I haven't really given it much thought but off the top of my head I'd have to say those are probably the two best players in the NL Central right now yeah absolutely I mean like I said, other than the names that I mentioned, I really can't think of anybody that, that is as close to those two guys. And for me, it's always harder to put a pitcher above a player just because uh, – or a, a pitcher above a position player. I don't know how you feel about this, but just because of the fact that these position players are probably playing every day um, or at least playing you know four to five days, whereas pitchers are playing one out of five. And you know, I'm a, I'm a big pitching guy. I love pitching, and I know that pitching is extremely important, winning championships and everything like that. But in terms of, you know, a better p- overall player, I think that I tend to put um, position players above starting pitching or anything like that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, I mean, obviously there are certain pitchers that are better at pitching than hitters are at hitting, but when you're looking at the overall player, do you tend to put hitters above pitchers uh, overall, or what do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're playing 
every day or you're playing 140, 150 games compared to, you know, 30 games. Yeah, I definitely value hitters over pitchers. But that's a good conversation, too, a good question I guess we could talk about. it. And Sam and Rallin, I see you guys in the room as well. If you all want to join in the conversation, uh, feel free to, to hit that speaker button or, or put your comments in the chat. But if you had to pick your best starting pitcher, who who could win the side the NL Central Cy Young? Who would who would it be? <laughs> NL Central Cy Young. Um, that's a good question. I'm going to go for for my answer since I'm already on the, the speaker button. I'm going to go ahead and say Jack Flaherty. I think that he has uh, you know picking a Cardinal. Yes, bias, whatever. Um, but I think that <laughs> Flaherty has he. He, his results have not really been there since 2019. Um, you know, that includes last season and spring training. He has struggled. But yesterday, his stuff looked the best it had in a very long time. Fastball control, slider, late break, thrown in a curveball once in a while. I think Flaherty is poised for a great season. He had a, a weird fifth inning yesterday uh, that, that kind of caused his results to be. But I'm going Jack Flaherty for, for my um, NL Cy Young. I mean, just trying to think of other names other than, you know, you mentioned Woodruff and Barnes earlier in our conversation, but, you know, there's nobody else really on the Cubs and Reds and nobody on the Pirates that really stick out to me as guys who could pitch at that level. But I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think you can definitely throw the Pirates and Cubs out of this discussion. You know, had the Cubs not <laughs> traded you, Darvish, maybe you could enter him into the discussion a little bit. Um, you know, considering he was a Cy Young candidate, obviously, last year. The Reds had the NL Cy Young last year, and now right. he's gone. Um, you know, I think your top four or five would have to be Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, mm. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Jack Flaherty. That'd probably be your top five. Um, I obviously think Burns and Woodruff can be that, but they've got to prove it over a whole year. I think that's, you know, holding them back from really being – um, you know, contenders right now, they just haven't done it over a, a whole season yet. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd probably give the Flaherty the edge in that. Um, it'd probably come down to Flaherty and Luis Castillo. I don't want to say Flaherty just because you're on here, but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean he, he's really good. He, he just seems to have that kind of poise, that kind of, you know, leadership, um, that kind of bulldog mentality on the mound. So, I'd probably go with him. I'm definitely going to leave this portion of the recording off of the podcast if I use any of this for the <laughs> podcast. But um, I'd probably go with him. But again, I think Burns has the stuff to do it. I just I want to see him do it over a full season. Um, you know, if he's able to to do that over 30 starts, then I think he'll be in the conversation. But just going based on track record, I'd probably go with either Flaherty and probably have Luis Castillo number two. I'm interested to see what that Reds pitching staff is going to look like, especially yeah, with, I think with, with their defense. If they got, you know, Castellanos in the outfield, who's already not a good defender. They got Suarez moving to shortstop. <laughs> yeah, got, saw that. They got Mustakis over at third, which is not terrible, but uh, I'm a little curious how that, that defense is going to work behind some of their, their good <laughs> pitching. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons I, I elevate Cardinals staff over them is just because of the defense behind St. Louis. I think Car- the Cardinals and you know Brewers a little bit, but I, I really think the Cardinals have a chance to have the the best defense defensive unit and and all of baseball, but especially within NL, the NL Central, um, it, it's going to be up there in baseball for sure. But I think NL Central is a little bit more of a, of a safer bet. But you talk about Jack Flaherty's kind of mindset, and I, I talked about that on my show yesterday, actually of just kind of uh, the bulldog and the, 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 the mentality that Flaherty has of like, you're not going to beat me. Like, 
if, if you do beat me, it's because I made a mistake. He, he has the mindset of that he is better than everybody. Um, he's going to attack you with an inside fastball and all these things that, um, that he really learned from Bob Gibson. Uh, one of the greatest Cardinals, one of the greatest pitchers of all time that we lost last year. Uh, with just kind of that that mindset of the only way you're going to beat me is if I make a mistake because I'm better than you. And that's really the mindset Flaherty has. You always see Flaherty yell and scream into his mitt before he makes a start. Um, at some point during his warm-ups, it's usually on the way from the bullpen to the dugout that he just screams to himself in his mitt, getting himself hyped up. I was never like that as a player, which is why I'm a podcast host now and not a <laughs> baseball player. But I think that, you know, these guys that can do that, that can hype themselves up to that standard. I mean, it's, it's what, what's, it's what works for him. Excuse me. And I just think that Flaherty has the mindset to be uh, one of the best, best in baseball for a long time to come for sure.